0: Today's episode is sponsored by studentlifeskills.com. Student Life Skills is an incredible program for SEL, social-emotional learning for children grades K through 6. Now, you might be wondering, why would Student Life Skills sponsor a Warrior Peak Performance podcast? It's because the Student Life Skills program is built on a lot of warrior mindsets. So things like predict the outcome, knowing the difference between helpful and hurtful, or what is a hot thought or a cool thought are quick lessons that children can learn that are not just one-up lessons, but they are tools that they can apply to every aspect of their lives, whether it's physical activity and predicting the outcome that if I work hard, I'll get better results, or predicting the outcome in a math class and knowing that if I study more, I'm going to get better grades. Things like helpful or hurtful and putting things into binary skills are very important in the student life skill program. And now during our COVID pandemic, student life skills is available online so that you as a parent can be working on the same sheet. As the school is working on or other neighbors or family members. So go to studentlifeskills.com and enter the word warrior in the coupon code for a whopping 50% off of all of the online products. You can also find Student Life Skills on amazon.com to purchase a hard copy. Thank you to Student Life Skills for sponsoring our program. Welcome to Warrior Peak Performance with Paul Sweeto. The purpose of this podcast is to unpack how people are performing at elite levels in their sport or craft. I've spent my 30-year career as a psychotherapist and karate sensei teaching and learning about how people blend the warrior mindset into their endeavors. I unpack what is going through their minds while training, performing, and or when they encounter the inevitable obstacles. I hope you will find that these classical warrior mindsets can be applied to and enhance your life as well. And of course, during our COVID pandemic fight, having a warrior's mindset is particularly important right now. So without further ado, let's jump into today's podcast. Welcome to the Warrior Peak Performance Podcast and the initial kickoff podcast. I'm beyond excited, super stoked to have Sam Welch, an elite runner and just uh, a tremendous guy. He's an employee of Uh, hoka shoes and has a wonderful history in running and i want to get some of your history first but before we start let's just jump right into a question which i've always wondered about elite runners is what what has running taught you about life wow that's a that's a good question um
1: i feel like uh running is life and yeah the the similarities between you know uh a 40 minute run and maybe 40 years of life. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. It's uh, you know, you go through a lot of ebbs and flows, highs and lows just over the course of a a long run. And I think similar to, you know, just life, um, it's a lot of just remembering to keep putting one foot
0: one foot in front of the yeah. other. It's just yeah.
1: that that kind of persistence just to to keep trucking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that kind of that grit, the perseverance, right? The resilience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so much of what I am interested in some of the warrior mindset isn't at all about combat. It's just about that mindset you were talking about, just putting one foot in front of the other. You could be a, a warrior mom. You could be a warrior dad. You could be a warrior runner, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your running History. When did you get started? Why did you get started? What was that all about?
1: Yeah, no, that's, it's interesting because I, I do feel like my, my personality and just who I am, um, was uh, that's really what ultimately attracted to running, um, because growing up, uh, I was an active kid, um, but really enjoyed soccer. That was, that was my main passion. And, you know, I did all the, the leagues and the traveling team, And, uh, you know, it's, it's not, um, a total surprise, but, uh, my, my favorite aspect in soccer and really what made me so good Hmm. was, was that, that tenacity, that perseverance. I, I was always a midfielder, Mm -hmm. um, which really had me just running back and forth all across the field and, um, I, I didn't have the best technical skills. I wasn't even, I wasn't the fastest. Um, but towards the end of a game, I was still kind of giving it my all.
0: I was still kind of making those, those long sprints Mm -hmm. and, uh, that kind of perseverance just kept going. Even during the game at a young age, you just didn't have a, an off switch during the competitive moment.
1: Exactly. That's just it. And I, I really appreciated growing up. I was, I was a really small kid. I was, I was a little munchkin and, uh, I just love the fact that, you know, there were there were always kids faster. There were definitely kids better at ball handling skills, um, but I always could just work hard. And, you know, when other kids were getting lazy or tired, like my I felt like my my skill um, was just to keep going, to keep pushing. And no one could you know, there there isn't really a limit to like how hard you can work and, Mm -hmm. you know, how how hard you can keep chasing that soccer yeah. ball
0: yeah so then you h- transition from soccer to running mm-hmm. from and you, and you are at a, a large school in the chicago suburbs uh in illinois new Trier high school one of the a renowned giant school very competitive uh you do well I want to talk to you a little bit about your high school career and then you become a collegiate athlete and, uh, you know, run for a famed coach and get to the next level. So what was happening at that point when you transitioned to a high school running team and then onward to college? Yeah.
1: So I would say I definitely have a a, a more different approach. Um, full transparency. I, you know, I ran in high school Um sophomore junior senior year but i i really enjoyed you know racing um but the social aspect of the cross country and track Mm -hmm. teams that's really that was a big part of my motivation early on um great friends it's a really good way to just meet people and so i um looking back you know i i likely could have worked harder um I could have been a little more diligent in, you know, attending all those practices and doing those core exercises. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be totally honest, yeah. I remember junior year uh, on Fridays, it was typically an easy day. And uh, with my group of friends, we would run about half a mile to a friend's house Play video games for 45 minutes <laughs> and then run the half mile back. And that was supposed to be a six mile run.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> right, right. So there were times at your onset in your career that you weren't all in, mm. right? And it, w- it we'll get into that. But I think that's really fascinating for the listeners because so much of the podcasts with um, world class elite athletes are all about, you know, perfection. And it's so, uh, Unrelatable, right? Is a, a Usain Bolt. If I listen to him, it's I, I I enjoy the podcast. I love listening, but at the same point, I think I'll, I'll just never be that. You know, that's not who I am. But am I a guy? And are the listeners people who um, at times don't commit all in? At times, yeah, that's human. Mm-hmm. And so, and I I really appreciate your authenticity and, and mm-hmm. vulnerability about opening up about that because people connect with that and. Uh, and then when we get into where you're at now, it's cool because from time to time, we take steps off of our path and then get back on. And you're going to talk a little bit about how you did that. Um, so you're in high school, you're uh, giving some effort, sometimes a lot, sometimes not a lot, but you're obviously quite talented. And, and the next step for you is to transition from high school to college. And how did that come about? Yeah, so I would say by my senior
1: year um I of high school I I I loved running. Um I loved the act of it. Um and I knew that no matter what moving forward running was going to be a part of my life. Um it in whatever kind of context I I knew that you know no matter what I'd be running just in my free time just as a mental release and mm. when i was looking at colleges um i was i was looking purely for um academics also how much it was going to cost uh-huh. and uh i i landed on a school illinois wesleyan university mm-hmm. and honestly i it was it was after i committed um that i i realized this is a um a d3 mm-hmm. Uh, program. And I, if I wanted to, I, I could compete for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was very, a last minute thing. I was thinking no matter what I'm going to be running, um, it'd be great if I ran with the team there, if I competed with, you know, the cross country team and fellow teammates. And so I reached out to the coach. Um, this is probably, uh, June, late June, early July, so about a month before school. Okay. And just asked him, like, hey, these are the times I've run. Mm. Is there any way, uh, is there any openings on this team? And uh, he got back to me, and he was like, you know what? You'd be kind of like smack dab in the middle there. Uh, if you want, you're more than welcome to join us. Nice. And so it happened very just naturally and a little bit last minute, but that,
0: that opportunity totally changed my life oh fantastic and so when you say it changed your life uh in what way (sighs) i would say it uh, obviously for
1: anyone that transition from high school to college is Mm -hmm. a big one Mm -hmm. and uh as someone who you know leaving my parents house for the first time um living on my own uh definitely looking for uh just some structure and a sense of community and when I kind of stepped foot on campus we arrived it was a couple weeks before school started for kind of preseason and having uh, just this group of like-minded individuals with this this really common goal of how how good can we be mm-hmm. um, having you know two practices, twice a day, every day, strength training, all of a sudden, you know, go, coming from someone who had play video games during practice to right, then right. being surrounded by so many just driven, dedicated people. Uh, I really got caught up in all of that. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm making sure my diet's in check. I'm getting good sleep. I'm doing those, those extra exercises because everybody I'm with is also doing that. And they also care so much.
0: Right, right. So you're around people. There's a, a group energy that's taking you along, not unlike running in a pack, right? That there could be mm-hmm. uh, some energy there, to your point, at the beginning when we're talking about running is life. Um, and so you have a, a, a really nice collegiate career. Uh, were there aspects of your career that you were in in college right now that you were uh, most pleased with that you would say there were there were peaks where you were all in and you hit that next level, definitely. Um, especially that that first
1: year of college, um, and this this happens to a lot of runners. Um, again, that transition from high school to college. Um, not is it just you know your training is increasing your your training volume so you're running a lot more miles. You're you're running you know sometimes twice a day. Um, you're doing all the strength training, but yeah, really just that mindset of, of, you know, how much more can I do? How, how hard can I work? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that freshman year made some big jumps in terms of, um, yeah, just race performances. Um, yeah. my, my mile PR is still from that, that freshman year, <laughs>
0: which was, which around 434, um, which is elite level. There's Which, no class, no yeah. doubt about it. That's, that's <laughs> phenomenal. And so you run a PR in college and, and, uh, and then after college, you don't retire. Why don't you retire? So many collegiate athletes hang it up after that. Mm-hmm. And this is something, um,
1: I totally attribute to running at the D3 level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting really invested and excited and running a little later in my life in college really um, meant that by the time I graduated, I, uh, I, I still felt like I had more to give. Mm. Um, that was a big part of it. I, I felt like I had, you know, I still had room for PRs. I'm still, I'm still looking to PR on that mile. Uh-huh. I still think I have time, but yeah, I, uh are co- my coach coach huff uh-huh. he very much instilled the idea that you know we should be running because we enjoy it because it's fun there there are no scholarships on the line yeah we don't have to um yeah it, it, it ultimately we're doing this because we enjoy it and right so yeah when i graduated i was like i i still
0: enjoy this and i want to keep this yeah as a part of my life nice nice so there's that sense of having you know there's a a passion to running Mm -hmm. do you live life with passion or do you have a passion Ooh, that's a good that's a good one i'd like to say
1: um i live my life with passion Mm -hmm. um that's again, similar to to what we were talking about with running or like soccer, but it it really comes down to to attitude mm-hmm. and you know whether that's competing in a race, playing a game of soccer, uh even hanging out with friends, I think really being in the moment and kind of giving your best your best effort, your best self in that present moment
0: is in my mind, that's, that's living passionately. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Where do you want to go moving forward? You said that you wanted to, and you still have a PR in you for your, your mile. Uh, uh, so where do you want to take your running? Yeah. And that's been something,
1: you know, that's obviously evolved. Um, and, uh, the last, let's see, 2018, 2019, I, I didn't run a single step uh, due to an achilles injury and then achilles surgery and uh, that that was a really eye-opening kind of moment because it it made me realize like how much of running I really enjoyed that's even not just the physical act of it but the the people you're around um just the the sense of accomplishment from, from doing something difficult yeah and yeah moving forward um the the social aspect um of being able to to run with someone mm-hmm. is uh the bonds you get over the course of a run and again it doesn't matter how fast or slow you're going right um and uh seeing new runners kind of start and yeah. personally i know how how impactful running has been just in my life and lifestyle And to to see, you know, new runners kind of pick up this hobby. Yeah. And I'm inspired because I know like they're going to go through some similar radical life changes.
0: Yeah. Uh, So uh, as a mental health professional working with a lot of athletes, uh, one thing that we know as professionals is that when an athlete has an injury and is off his or her sport for a prolonged period of time, uh, it's really common to fall into some depression or anxiety or frustration uh some people believe that there's even a cognitive neurochemical uh, chemical approach or you know process that's occurring at that point like the brain is so used to running and then it gets terminated and severed immediately and there's this emotional flood and i was curious like what was it like for you emotionally during that injurious time as a runner Oof. Um, honestly, one of the hardest times mm. in my life.
1: Mm. Um, I think especially in college and post college, uh, running became, um, you know, not just as we talked about, like a, a social kind of option to be hanging out with friends, going for a run, um, but such a just stress reliever, being able to. Um, I found that running really is how I cope with a lot of emotions or stresses, you know, from work or life or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah, for those two plus years where, um, I couldn't, I couldn't run to meet up with friends. I couldn't just, you know, uh, just be active right. really. Right. Um, and then also I, I work for a running shoe company and again, Kind of all these different aspects of my life are re- related to this mm-hmm. activity. and when I couldn't do that activity, it was it was difficult. I think it was important for me to to realize that um, as you know um, tempting it is to go all in on something, all in on this running thing. yeah, um, it is also important to to have other areas of your life that yeah. you can uh, tap into and so that might be. You know, I might start drawing more, um, which is a, a fun passion of mm-hmm. mine. Or um, maybe I'm going to find a new activity. Maybe I really get into biking or swimming. Um, so it was it was a difficult time when yeah. I wasn't running, but um, right. Right. it was uh, important, and I learned a lot.
0: Yeah, I find that when athletes identify themselves with their sport, so I th- that they can get in trouble when they do get injuries or they have poor times or what that might be. And I will, I'll always tell athletes, you are not your sport. Mm -hmm. Your sport is something you do. That's
1: exactly it. And it's, I I definitely struggled with that in, in college, um, Mm -hmm. becoming really tied into, yeah, like I became, and I think it's especially difficult with something like running, which is so black and white. Like you are this number on a clock. Yeah. And removing that that self-worth from that. And I think that's something where um, it, it's always present and running. You can always focus on the feeling of, you know, how you feel when you push it hard or whatever, um, versus tying it into, yeah,
0: right, what, what place you got? Or whatever. Exactly. I I find, you know, if uh, when I'm competing in karate, uh, if I lose, I remind myself I'm not a worse person. And if I win, I'm not a better person either, (laughs) and try to disconnect some of the ego from the competitive results. Exactly. But speaking about, Uh, emotion. What's really interesting to me, uh, and I was thinking about this in terms of adrenaline, uh, and I I imagine if there's a a tiger behind me and I have this massive flood of fight or flight or anxiety, uh, that I think I would run faster. And so I often wonder, and I wanted to ask you, does anger make people run faster? Ooh. <laughs> See, that's a good one. Um,
1: it's, it's funny on a, there's a, a message board online called let's run. And it's where a lot of runners will kind of discuss things. And, um, a common theme there is, uh, the running on hate and mm. using anger. Um, they say it's ideal for the, the 800 meter. So a half mile race, um, cause it's, it's fast enough where you really need to, you know, be in the moment, but, um, yeah, it's also, they say one of the most painful races, (laughs) um, anger. I would say, yes. Um, personally, I'd say that's less the case. Um, in, in high school and early on in college, I I definitely struggled with pre-race nerves and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until towards the end of college where my coach, Um, would remind me that, you know, that those pre-race nerves, that anxiety shows that you care and you should really harness that, you know, those jitters, that energy and really just pour it into the race. Um, and kind of having that mental shift of, Hey, if I'm anxious, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I, I was able to kind of really use that to my advantage. Yeah.
0: So I would think uh maybe anger would be useful for sprinters but not for marathoners. Yes, I'd say that's probably that's probably correct. <laughs> <laughs> and how about running sad? Does that slow your pace down?
1: That's a good question. I I uh I mentioned I've definitely used running as like coping and there have been numerous times where, you know, I might be whether it's A death in the family or a breakup or something and running has been kind of my means to to kind of just deal with that and yeah I think sadness is definitely um a a sort of fuel to to run on um
0: yeah yeah and if you were competing and you were sad do you think your time would be slower For hmm. because I I, I say that just because when I'm sad, mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy just to get out, get fresh air. uh, And I'm not an elite runner at all. uh, So my slow times that are normally slow are slower when I'm sad Mm -hmm. and I'm just breathing and sometimes thinking, emoting, sometimes losing my train of thought, hopefully in a mindfulness way. Um, but I wouldn't want to compete, Seth.
1: No. And now that you mention it, especially competing, um, that really is the the celebration of, mm. you know, hard training of weeks and months of putting in the miles. And in my mind, like that that competition time, that's that's supposed to be fun happy and exciting. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing in college. Uh, I, I didn't totally understand it at first, but my coach, um, would always remind us that, you know, our practice started at 4.15 PM and he said, right at 4.15, you know, you may have just broken up with your girlfriend or failed a test or whatever, but at 4.15 we're running and none of that, other stuff matters. Yeah. You know, in two hours you can get back to feeling sad. <laughs> It'll be and, waiting for you when <laughs> the run is over. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I like that. Yeah. Staying yeah. in the present. It's like, nope. And he, he really kind of pushed the fact that, um, you know, emotions like that are so infectious. Yeah. And so if one person's really bummed out, they're going to kind of make everybody else kind of feel down.
0: That's right. Right. In- interesting. So uh, two thoughts that come to my mind about that is in my dojo, Uh, which is the Japanese word for the place of the way and it's a karate dojo Uh, myself and all my students when we take our shoes off we point them toward the door and that physical action symbolizes mentally and, uh, and physically that we're leaving the outside life outside the dojo. I like that. Yeah. And so that's like just, uh, it's a small ritual, but every time I walk in there, I take off my shoes, I point them to the door and I was like, that's it. My stuff is outside the door for sure. Um, and so when we do that, um, I think there's a, an opportunity for mindfulness during the run. And one thing that you and I had talked about, uh, before this recording was this notion of, trail running and how uh, some runners will um, discuss and maybe even recommend a highly technical trail mm-hmm. where you have to be mindful of every single step. There's a lot of rocks and branches uh, and that that kind of trail forces to some extent a deeper level of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Have you had trail runs that are similar to that? Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, and I've I've the scars to to prove that <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mindful enough. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I th- I think that's what's works so great for running is sometimes you you really need to get out of your head, get out of your body, and just be so hyper present in the moment. And I think yeah, like yeah. a really technical trail does mm-hmm. that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do like a really a really fast hard workout. That will again you'll you'll stop thinking about whatever you were thinking about
0: yeah. and really just be in that moment. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, sometimes it's nice to have an activity that essentially immerses you in the mindfulness. You know, so many people say, ah, I can't meditate. I can't find it. My mind keeps thinking about different things, but man, those technical trails. And I know that from mountain biking is that, you know, one blink of the eye, one thought off the trail and your face planted, you go endo over the, you know, <laughs> over the handlebars. Um, so you had mentioned a PR and your mile was 430. Was that what you were saying? 434. Yeah. 434. Do you remember that run? Oh,
1: yeah like very very clearly still what
0: was what was your feeling what was your what was your mindset or feeling during that run oh. and did you know you were in the midst of a pr i did
1: um i still remember this was conference indoor conference and i i just um i'd come off some pretty good races but i knew i was poised for for a big breakthrough and it was one of those races that the gun went off. I remember I was competing with two other teammates mm-hmm. who who were both faster than me, had better PRs. Um, but just from the gun, I felt really good. I felt smooth. I felt, uh, really relaxed, really confident mm-hmm. and running. I, yeah, I remember passing both the teammates, um, over the course of the race and you know there's a part of me that was a little freaking out yeah. oh my gosh yeah. I'm ahead of them right now uh-huh. but uh just that yeah it, it's still to this day one of like my favorite memories of yeah. just how how easy
0: it felt i was i was so kind of in that state of flow and so when you were at you're not at the end of the race but you know you're getting close to Personal record. uh How do you stay calm and just say, "Okay, stay the pace." It's sort of—I I always wonder that with with golfers. You know, on the 18th hole when they're about to win the tournament, but they're only up by one stroke. Like, how do they stay calm? And and so for you, your your a personal record as a runner is a big deal. It mm-hmm. clearly does not come very often, <laughs> as the notion and then the, the name states. It's a personal record. So you're maybe halfway through or three quarter, two, three minutes into it. And at some point you're like, you're gotta be thinking if I keep this up, I'm hitting a PR mm-hmm. like, don't fuck up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so what funny. what was going on in your mind to just keep the pace and stay calm enough? See. And I think that, um, kind of going back to like talking about
1: like a really technical trail and being so in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know during that that 1 mile race i i had a hunch i kind of knew you know you you'll get time splits every lap to tell you what your pace is and so i knew in the back of my mind <clears throat> if i kept this up i was going to i was going to run a pr mm-hmm. but for sure the focus like my my mind was primarily on on that moment of i need to catch that next guy I need to catch that next guy. I need to keep my my arms carriage smooth. I need to keep good form. So really, you know, not not really putting myself at that finish line yet. Right,
0: right. You were in the... The idea and the process, not the results. Exactly. And you were immersed in the process, in your technique, in a step at a time. Mm -hmm. And you know, and and I always say this, whether it's academic performance, athletic performance, if your process is on point, the results will unfold in a great way. Mm -hmm. Right. So that leads me to another question, which I'm sure you've run into is you're in a race and in fact, your first split time is slower than a PR, for example, and it's so slow that you know that you will never get to a PR by the end of the race. It's just impossible. So you you start off slow, you're off pace, and what do you do? What do you do? You like kick it into this super high extra gear, or do you just say I, I'm going to enjoy the rest of this race and chalk it up to just a a, a race that will not be in the top 10 of my book. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I think the, the beauty
1: of, of running and racing is that ultimately like competing against the clock and setting that new PR is great, but there's plenty of times where um, I think it really is just a practice and uh, a practice of maybe just competition. Um, Maybe, you know, that throughout the the time out the window and really focus on, Hey, I want to beat that guy in the red shirt and Mm -hmm. focus on that. And then there've been obviously plenty of times where, yeah, the gun goes off and I can just tell I feel terrible. Yeah. It's, I I don't have it on this day. Right. But remembering that I get running is such a, a mental sport. Yeah. And it's, 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 constant negotiating with yourself. Like I feel bad and it's like, no, keep going, no, keep going. And I know even if I feel terrible that that practice of like I'm going to keep pushing it, um, I know we'll in the long run, maybe the next race, I'll I'll be better mentally prepared. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, there's a very that's a very much of a warrior mindset, right? It's just keep going, be gritty, um, persevere. And I also like what you said, which was. During a race that I know you're not going to hit a PR, the guy in front of me with the red shirt, I'm going to try to beat him, mm-hmm. you know, or run past. So you can make many competitions, many successes and, and victories within a race. Exactly. Which would be cool. Right. And keep you moving forward. hmm. So, uh, so I want to switch gears a little bit and just kind of talk about the sport of running, um, and I'm always curious about innovations and, uh, you know, time seem to be going, uh, lower, meaning faster for runners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking, well, why is that? Are human beings faster now than they were a hundred years ago? Or is it something about innovations? And I'm curious what your thoughts are about that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, uh, we're like seventy-ish years from uh, the first sub-four-minute mile. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you kind of look back at Roger Roger Bannister when mm-hmm. he said that three fifty-nine mile, they're um, in terrible shoes, like yeah. really bad shoes. Um, also, like an incredibly slow track. Cinder tracks are.
0: It's like running through sand. It's right. Like, it's gravelly. Exactly. There's no explosion off of the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think a,
1: a lot of advances uh, in times today are are much more just thanks to technology. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, really nice, smooth, flat tracks. We've got these carbon fiber plated shoes. Um, but yeah, in terms of... of a lot of just running times now, um, they're getting faster. But I, it's it's primarily thanks to these shoes and these advances in technology, mm-hmm. and less so um, training techniques or something like that. Simply because running it's such a it's such a pure sport. People have been doing it for yeah. hundreds of thousands of years, right? And, right. Uh, right. Yeah. So you, you don't see a lot of like, oh, actually, if you only run on your left foot, you'll be faster. Like, no, that's not right.
0: Right. It's interesting. You brought up Roger Bannister. I had read a bit about him and, you know, he was a medical student when he broke the record. And so he wasn't a dedicated elite athlete with a team of therapists around him, you know, physical therapists and massage therapists and all of that. Um, and what I read about him is he wanted to break the four-minute mile. And so what he did was run quarter miles. And he said, when I break the quarter mile for one minute, then I'll add another quarter and break that. And that would be under two and so on. And so far, three quarter mile, he went and kept going until he broke the three minute quarter mile. And then he jumped on and and he did, uh, which was to your point, you know, step-by-step in running, Mm -hmm. um, and an interesting, you know, study in terms of, uh, taking a lofty goal and then breaking it down one ladder step at a time. Exactly. Yeah, just
1: on a little bite-sized chunks that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, over time will add up.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, the one thing that is interesting about you is that you're like uh, a guy with a with a job. You know, uh, you don't have a a team. If you have an injury, you got to find your own doctor. You got to do. Uh, you know what? What I really love about talking to you is thinking like, well, he's a guy that is like all of us, and yet he's at a very elite level. Um, and so, how do you balance that? How do you like keep running at the times you're running? You still want to get a new PR in your mile, uh, and you have a full time job and a social life and all of that. How are you able to balance all that? Honestly. I
1: think the, the balance is the, the key, the secret. Um, as someone who, and I mentioned, I was so all in and running in college um, to my detriment where mm-hmm. uh, numerous points in the season, I, I found myself totally burnt out. And when you invest so much, the bulk of your emotional and physical energy into one pursuit, um, it it can be really draining. Yeah, and so now, dedicating you know, I know I'm gonna dedicate two hours of my 24 in a day to to running, stretching, you know, strength training. But after those two hours, like I'm moving on, and it's a it's a big mental kind of break mm-hmm. where. You know, if you're if you're thinking about one thing
0: for every waking hour, uh, it gets exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have a busy life, but you cut out a segment of mm-hmm. your day and then you're consistent and you're devoted to that and you allow yourself to grow within that segment. Exactly. And nice. That's nice. And it's something that I think I relate to. We can all relate to that as non-professional athletes right Mm -hmm. and then what's fascinating is if you're not a professional athlete can you still get to a level that i think of as in an elite class that i i I think of you as uh like there's that that group of elite athletes and uh uh you know what's interesting to me is uh you ran a 434 is that your pr Mm -hmm. and then uh the amount of work it takes to go from a 434 to a 430 Mm-hmm. is a lot of work and is a lot more work than me uh breaking you know going from my 12 minute mile to my 11 minute mile right you know and taking off four seconds for you would uh in some ways be a tremendous dedication and effort what do you think about at this elite level like just inching out the next incremental betterment mm-hmm. well and i think that's
1: what's so uh just captivating about this sport is there? There really is no ceiling to how how good you can be. It you can always um, keep working hard, keep uh, trying new things. Maybe it's I've I've recently gotten into yoga a lot, and I'm mm-hmm. finding it's making my body feel so much better. I'm feeling more recovered for my next run, and uh, just that that constant pursuit of yeah, just being yeah. better than I was the next day. Um,
0: I like that. I am so curious about what you would say to a beginner runner. How about the person who says, uh, I'm not a very good runner. How do I start? What do I do? How do I get in the sport? And
1: I would say it's similar to to what I tell myself, where um, ultimately you want to have fun. Like we're... Again, we're not we're not professionals. We're not making a living off of this. um, We're doing it because we enjoy it. Yeah. Um, You're, yeah. And so having fun is the most important thing. And then another thing is really just being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's really easy to set some lofty expectations or standards that you know you think you should be at, Um, but ultimately. Getting out the door, and whether it's five steps of a run or you make it five miles, that's that's better than nothing. Right. Showing up.
0: Exactly. Just showing up. That's all you need to do. It's interesting uh, for some of my clients that are not athletes and they are not interested. um, My first homework assignment, let's say it's a fitness club, is go to the fitness club, walk into the lobby, turn around, and get in your car (laughs) and go home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that, that just gets them at the very, you know, and, and it's hard to say no to that. Right. <laughs> I, anyone could do that. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly it. They say I that's attainable. I could do it. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the next step is get in the lobby, go in the locker room, put on your shorts and get on the treadmill for one minute and then go home. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And that's step by step. And that's a similar kind of thing you're saying with beginning running is, you know, not a lot of judgment. Just start and start slow and you can incrementally move up at any pace exactly yeah yeah Yeah, i like that so let's talk a little bit about uh hoka Mm -hmm. and uh you know sam um i want you to talk a little bit about how you started with hoka where you're at now and for full disclosure uh, I wear Hoka shoes and I've worn New Balance, I've worn Nike uh and I would say I and I tell anyone it's like walking on clouds. It's like run when I put Hokas on and I first started running uh it was a game changer. I thought holy shit like how was I not running in these? And I know why I wasn't running in them cuz I saw a few people walking around in Hokas and they have this giant is it a sole is that what it is the midsole the midsole it looks like uh you know it's it's not three inches but it looks just (laughs) giant and i thought well those are goofy looking shoes and once i put them on uh i have to this day never taken them off so (laughs) um tell us a little bit about how you got uh connected with hoka and where you're at with them now yeah no that
1: that's been um wow what a journey because uh i mean i used to be um, you know, I ran in, yeah, similar to you, ASICs, New Balance, all throughout high school, college. And, uh, it was after college, I kind of got into those, you know, five finger toe shoes, mm-hmm. um, the more minimal options. And I was working at a running store and, uh, we were selling the first Hoka's, um, it's the Bondi. And I also thought they were ridiculous, um, <laughs> but you can't deny when you put them on. And I remember I was working at this running store and standing, you know, hard floors for 10 hours at a time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having all that cushion felt really good. And I remember I would go into the store right before we opened, I'd grab a pair from a box in the back room, put them on, wear them all day. And then at the end of the day, I'd put them back in the box and go home. And, um, the third i think it's the second or third day my boss was like you have to buy those now <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't keep doing that uh-huh. and yeah so kind of uh fell in love with just how
0: they felt um yeah. and so you started with the company as uh as a customer i mean they were on mm-hmm. your feet first before it was all about getting a job with them totally yeah. for probably about a year and a half mm-hmm. um
1: I just love the feel of them yeah. and uh, then got really lucky. Um, they, uh, Hoka employs what's called a uh, field service representative mm-hmm. and they're local reps that uh, travel around to running stores, kind of teach employees about the shoes, nice. they'll, they'll have demo runs so mm-hmm. people can actually test out the shoe for three, four, five miles, yeah. see what they feel like. And I happened to meet one of the reps and when I learned that this was a job that Hoka pays her to do this, (laughs) I thought that was the coolest thing.
0: So you could get a job uh, talking about running and helping runners and thinking about running and work for this great (laughs) shoe company and you get money for it. Right? I mean, (laughs) it sounds like a dream come true. And
1: so got got really lucky and uh, became the... Uh, Chicago area Hoka rep in uh, 2015 Mm -hmm. and then worked. So I covered Wisconsin, Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, um, and then 2017 moved out to Los Angeles and became the kind of SoCal rep out there. Mm -hmm. And then start of 2019 um, joined Hoka's social media team. And so kind of left the, the field, essentially, and moved in-house. Uh, Hoka's headquarters are up in Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and moved up there and now kind of work a little more behind the scenes. But um,
0: but you're connecting with the public in this way, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So people may write in or ask questions or make comments about Hoka through the social media, and that would be a way where you're uh, – Bridging the gap between the public and the company. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting
1: because as a rep, you know, I would get to talk to, you know, maybe 30 people at a demo run. Mm-hmm. And now I get to talk to hundreds of thousands right. just via yeah, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter.
0: And what, uh, what was going on? with Hoka that the innovators the designers of the shoes it had to have been a crowded market when they first launched that shoe it's like you know opening up a t-shirt company there's a you know thousands of them and there's another thousand coming around but they're all Mm t-shirts uh Hoka comes along and uh you know there's Nike there's new balancers Adidas all that and they just come up with a shoe that's never been done before well and that's just it and that's what's so fun
1: about hoka i remember when i worked at that running shoe store um you know typically someone comes in they kind of explain what they're looking for and as you know a shoe salesman it's your job to grab three or four shoes from the back room and let them try them all on and i just remember that you know grabbing a a nike and an adidas and an a6 and a saucony they all kind of felt the same they yeah. were all you know they had different logos but yeah. they were all kind of the same and then there was this hoka yeah. which was so different you could just tell the minute you take it out of the box people's eyes kind of like, yeah oh what is going on and because it's so different um i think that's what makes it so fun and unique and yeah i mean the french founders there's these two frenchmen yeah um one's the inventor of like downhill parabolic skis Mm -hmm. and so he's like a, a wizard he knows his stuff and um seeing how you know they they wanted to attack the problem of downhill running and how running downhill can just totally beat up your knees and your back and everything hurts and so they they had this problem and they're like how are we gonna solve this problem and the answer was you're the first hokas essentially yeah and and then people started yeah. noticing hey, if you take these shoes on concrete and asphalt, such unnaturally hard surfaces, right. they still
0: feel really good. That's, They're so lightweight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was my experience. Uh, yeah. And uh, on a related note, if uh, the listeners will Google Samuel Choka, they will see him uh, a video come up. And oh, yeah. this video is like professionally shot, like just gorgeous i think it was in chicago along a riverbank and Mm -hmm. uh it's it's super cool can you just talk a a minute or so about that video it was i encourage everyone to take a look at it it's really beautiful that was so much fun but
1: uh hoka had the um yeah i had the opportunity to kind of work with another local um ambassador to to kind of show off what running in chicago looks like. Yeah. And yeah, exploring the lakefront path and the 606 and some nearby trails was so much fun. And testing out, you know, there's a dozen different Hoka models, so wearing the yeah. right shoe for the right surfaces, it was it was a total blast.
0: Yeah, I, I loved it. And uh, we're going to put the link uh, to that video in our show notes as well. Uh, so a few more questions and I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I want to get to a warrior mindset and Um, There's four minds of a warrior, and I want to tell you each one at a time and uh, just get your uh, reflections on how that is related to running. Mm -hmm. So, one of them is called Shoshin, and Shoshin means beginner's mind. So, what does beginner's mind um, feel like to you as a runner? And I just want to also say this. So it, we're not talking about a beginning runner. Mm-hmm. So as a black belt myself, I still need and want to embrace a beginner's mind. So at every level and at your level, do you have a beginner's mind and what does that feel like? Oh, totally.
1: I think it's, it's incredibly important to to really you know, take each day as just a, it, a fresh start, a brand new chance to to do better um what happens often especially in running is you can wake up and just today's not your day you might feel terrible and knowing that you know i can if i do my best today my best might not be (laughs) very good uh, according Mm -hmm. to the clock Mm -hmm. but if i do my best today tomorrow it's a brand new day and i can i can kind of you know really get after it and see what I can do tomorrow. And I think, yeah, having that beginner's mindset of, of, you know, really no expectations, uh, no judgment on myself. It's like, I'm gonna, yeah, there's an ease
0: to that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps is there a beginner's mind to uh, if you were coached, maybe uh, change this technique or work on this particular aspect of your stride. Do you mm-hmm. still keep a beginner's mind when it comes to learning from other people? Totally. And that's yeah. there's always
1: room for improvement. Like you said, whether yeah. it's stride, whether it's um, just your your training, maybe um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, I need to do more uh hill repeats to work on my form or maybe i need to do uh back-to-back long runs to get really good at you know running long distances
0: right right and i know that for you also the innovations come with uh we won't get into too much but sleep and nutrition Mm -hmm. and can i have a beginner's mind am i can i search out what other things are going to be out there that will help my running and just improve my life exactly yeah so, the next uh, mindset of a warrior is called Mushin, and Mushin means mind of no mind or sort of a mindfulness kind of experience. And so, how does that feel as a runner? Wow. I think that's oh,
1: most runners can totally identify with uh, those, those runs where an hour goes by in the blink of an eye yeah. and you are so lost in the moment, things are you know, really really is that that sense of, of flow um, yeah. where yeah you're you're not thinking about anything you're not f- thinking about your breathing you're not thinking about your foot strike it's all just flowing yeah. so naturally
0: and yeah that's cool so the third mind of a warrior is called zanshin and zanshin means extended mind and i The way we would explain it in karate would be if I punch and my punch stops at a certain spot, the energy continues beyond that. And uh, for running, it could be, and I would imagine, you know, either you're feeling the energy of other runners or you're feeling your energy just sort of like coming out of your body or coming through your stride Um, in other days or other competitors, maybe it just feels more closed and Mm -hmm. have you ever it's a bit of an abstract concept but have you felt like this energy is just kind of flowing out definitely definitely
1: and that's something um probably my my old college coaches um is kind of biggest lesson to to us as a team was that we're we're better together than we are alone that Mm -hmm. we're not just the sum
0: of our parts yeah it's uh having you know it's like synergy, right? It's exactly. like one plus one equals three. Yes. Right. <laughs> that's right?
1: exactly yeah. and I think that's related to, you know, his his world about really staying positive. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, we we really affect each other in so many ways, ways right. that we can't even, you know, begin to think about. And I I just know um my my best runs, my best races yeah. are those times where I'm surrounded by equally just super you know energized people and we're all we have this common goal
0: and it affects uh, you yeah and the energy affects you know there's uh there's something called a social virus so this was uh i would study this before corona actually and what Mm -hmm. the researchers showed is if you bring a concentrated group of people together there's usually one or two influencers and if that person, those influencers have an emotion, whether they're very positive and upbeat or negative and pessimistic, that because of the proximity, it'll spread quickly. And they take those same 10 people, for example, and they would spread them out to a football field, for example, and they would tell that influencer, we want you to be really negative and really pessimistic. But the person that was 100 yards away, of course, was so far and disconnected that they didn't feel it. It was what we would call social distancing now <laughs> in the time of coronavirus. Um, but when you're running with a pack uh, of your teammates and you guys are close, Ooh. there has to be some some energy that's flowing. Were there, uh, were there guys that were the influencers more often or was it shared as a group? That's a good question. Typically,
1: um, I remember for the most part, each, each year we have like in a new team captain mm-hmm. and our, our team and our coach did a really good job of finding those team captains. Yeah. And I think it's because they were so influential, mm-hmm. um, really getting everybody on board. Um, yeah. And some i yeah. I'm thinking in terms of or countless workouts where, you know, you're running in a pack of, let's say five and if you know, you're you're running a fast clip, you're all in a big group. And if you just let a little bit of separation form, yeah. What you know, it might just be like a second. Yeah. But if you kind of lose that connection to that group, yeah, it's it's all over. And you can it's, feel it. Oh, totally right, you can right. feel it. And yeah. so our coach was always adamant, like take two quick steps, get back to that group. So if you're in that like little cohesive pod, yeah. you can just yeah, use yeah, that
0: energy. You feel that energy. Mm-hmm. So the last, the fourth mindset is called fudo and that means immovable mind. Yeah. And immovable mind, if you were to think of a, a grit or resilience or perseverance, those are sort of the, the the words that come to my mind, but immovable mind might feel something different to you. And I'm curious um, what that feels like as a runner. I think that's
1: that if any of these line up perfectly yeah. with running, that. the immovable mind, that, that, you know, stance that you are going to not give up no matter what. And, you know, you're going to over the, let's say you're racing a marathon. It's like, it's, it's going to get difficult. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very painful, but you're going to cross that finish line no matter what. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And that's still, um, I think something that unlike many other sports running really it, it it is so mental and it is that, that perseverance, that yeah, grit, yeah, that, you know, you're not going to stop.
0: You're going to keep going no matter what. Nice. Okay. Final question. Thanks, <laughs> Sam. Um, how do you define peak performance? Ooh, peak performance. <sighs> I would say
1: going back to, I mean, Many of the themes we've talked about, but that, that present mindset being incredibly in the moment where you are doing exactly what you are capable of. It's there's, there's no, um, you know, you're not worried about metrics you need to hit. Um, I think, I mean, going back to like my, my best race performances, are those ones that those peak performances are where I am. I'm in the moment. I'm, you know, really in, invested in
0: that process. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love that. So tell the listeners how they can find you on social media or follow you. And what, what's the best way to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I'm on, uh, Instagram. Um, spend a lot of time there as I, uh, work on hoka's social uh platforms and instagram but uh, I'm s Welch 141 on instagram that's probably the best place to to find me otherwise yeah follow hoka's
0: <laughs> yeah
1: instagram to to see what I'm doing behind the scenes
0: excellent excellent so sam Welch thank you very much this has been a pleasure you're uh you're authentic vulnerable conversations. they've just felt very real to me. Uh, I'm excited to have people listen to this, to learn about not just you but about the mindset of a runner um, and just something that's very relatable for me and uh, and for our listeners. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well Paul,
1: thank you so much. This was a really great conversation and yeah it really got me thinking here.
0: <laughs> nice. All right, we'll see you soon. Uh, have a good one Thanks. Hi everyone, it's Paul Sweeto. Thank you for listening to today's podcast at Warrior Peak Performance with Paul Sweeto. I just want to remind you guys that our sponsor today is studentlifeskills.com, which is offering a whopping 50% off of all of their online programs. Now, this program is used for children grades K through 6 to learn about social emotional things and we often blend the warrior mindset into the concepts. So for example, predict the outcome is one of the lessons that we teach in student life skills, or helpful or hurtful, and learning the difference between those two. These are tools that are not just applicable for one part of their lives, for example, just for sport, but you can use predict the outcome for academics, for relationships, and of course, for athletics. So please go to studentlifeskills.com, enter the coupon code WARRIOR to receive your 50% off. And until next time, I'm wishing you safety and wellness and looking forward to our next meeting.